beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. bonus episode today, another author conversation with a new friend who has written a book I think you will enjoy. I met Sarah Bragg virtually last year because we were both writing books for the same publisher and because Sarah graciously had me on as a guest for her podcast called Surviving Sarah to talk about Share Your Stuff last winter. And soon we were boxing and chatting about launching our first books. And listen, it is so nice to have a friend who is going through something for the first time at the same time that you are. And Sarah's first book launched this week. It is here. It is called A Mother's Guide to Raising Herself, What Parenting Taught Me About Life, Faith, and Myself. And I got to read this one months ago and got the honor of endorsing it. So now I am happy to welcome Sarah to 10 Things to Tell You. You can learn more about Sarah at sarahbragg.com. That's Bragg with two Gs, Sarah with an H. Listen to her podcast called Surviving Sarah or buy her book out now, A Mother's Guide to Raising Herself. You can buy that anywhere you like to buy books. I hope you enjoy this conversation with writer, podcaster, and author, Sarah Bragg. Sarah, welcome to 10 Things to Tell You. I am so happy to be with you and to be on this side of the table from you because you're on my show. And so this is fun. That's right. I was on your show to promote my book and talk about sharing. And now you on on my show to talk about your book. And I love it so much because we share a publisher. We have sort of been voxing and communicating throughout this process of writing our first books. And that is how we got to be friends. And that has been a real gift to me to have someone going along at the same time. So I'm super glad you're here. Uh, Thank you. Well, and you endorsed my book and that just meant so much to me. 
I did. I got to read your book early. I read it months and months ago, which is always a treat. I love to feel like I'm like insider, like the inside scoop. (laughs) Yeah. Getting to read stuff early. And I was super happy to endorse your book. But before we get all the way into talking about it, will you just introduce yourself to the listeners? Tell us a little bit about you and who you are in the world. Yes. Well, I am Sarah and I live now I live in Tennessee. We just, I've been in Atlanta for a long, long time. And as with many people, COVID just turned things upside down. And we ended up moving at the end of 2020 from the Atlanta area to Tennessee, where I grew up. So we moved from kind of cute little downtown city life to the farm life. And in fact, I have horses outside my window right now where I can see them. And we just are loving being with like, let's stretch our arms out as far as I can go. We don't touch anybody. It's great. So we live in Tennessee and I've got two girls. Um, My husband and I have two girls, Sinclair and Rory, and we're in full middle school years. So Rory is entering middle school very soon. School starts here. We're still summer for a minute, but so that's our family. I am a writer, have been a writer and an editor for a long, long time, uh, just in a contractual sense. So I work on lots of other people's projects and my own projects. And then I host Surviving Sarah, which is a podcast. It was, I feel like now it's like a grandma podcast because it's been around almost seven years. So I'm just like a, a grandma podcaster, but it's fun. Cause I just, you know, people are like, why do you like, what is it? Surviving Sarah. And I'm like, well, I wanted to name it Surviving Sinclair. Cause that's what I was doing in those early years of parenting was just surviving my kids, but it really is surviving myself. Like all the things, like, I just want to have people on that can help me survive. Well, whether that's with my relationships, myself, my work, my faith. So I spend a lot of time there curating conversations just to help all of us survive ourselves. But yeah, that's sort of who I am. And that is really like the thesis of your book, right. your new book is called A Mother's Guide to Raising Herself, What Parenting Taught Me About Life, Faith, and Myself. So you're well-versed in that topic of motherhood <laughs> and, you know, sort of losing yourself and then finding her again. And I want to talk more about that in a second, but now I have to ask, cause you just brought it up. I did not know that your move was like, COVID related. I mean, not COVID related, but you know, right? yes, yes. Well, COVID, like my husband and I had very different, our priorities, I I said that funny, our priorities were similar, but they were like reversed. So I loved living, you know, I wanted to be kind of small next to my neighbors. I loved walking outside and talking to people. I loved walking to my favorite coffee shop, but the quaintness of where we were, it was just the cost of living was so high. And my husband also valued, maybe he's more introverted, so he could do without neighbors, but he loved where we lived, but he was like, I don't want to pay all this money. And so it was one of those where like COVID just really kind of taught us some, it just kind of recalibrated those priorities of going, oh, wow. Like we could, we were in like 1200 square feet, our, our little family of four and our giant dog. And it was like, what are we doing? Like we're paying all this money to be on top of each other. So with quarantine, you're like, I need you to leave my presence. Like I kept saying that I think design plans for homes, like we were all open concept are going to change moving forward after 2020, there's going to be walls. Everybody's going to want walls again. Like we're good. I need a space to retreat to. So anyway, so it was just, it was one of those things. And we started looking at the age of our girls and going, gosh, we've got cars and college and weddings and 
all the things in retirement, all these things coming. And, you know, my family, like we could help my family if our presence was there. And so it just, I don't know, it just all shifted for me and things that I was like, but I want that like coffee shop around the corner. And it was like, am I trading all of this potential great just so that I could have a cup of coffee? I mean, I do love coffee, but that may not be the best thing. So it was, it just, I think COVID just recalibrated what I wanted. That is so interesting. I feel like a lot of people are going through Mm-hmm. those same kind of like taking stock of their life and seeing what they really want versus like maybe a lot of us were in some form of autopilot, mm-hmm. you know, before the world got shaken up a bit, like we were just walking a path that we just started down and had never really questioned it or, you know, never really had an excuse to reroute. Yes. And now suddenly everybody was like, well, I could spend my money differently. I could spend my time differently. Maybe I do want to be closer to my family. Maybe I want to fly free away from my roots. I mean, you know, like I feel like if we can find any kind of positive spin on the last couple of years and, you know, I know that's a reach because there's also been so much loss and so much negativity, but if we're looking at something positive, I do think that it kind of woke people up to what they really wanted in life. And, Mm -hmm. um, and permission, right? Like what you're saying, permission to go, Oh, we could do something different. Like you said, this autopilot. And I think this is what we're supposed to do. But I think it gave people permission, um, to imagine something different. Yeah, I do too. And, and that's a good thing. And that's another thing that you talk about in your book that I really loved and really connected with because I feel like I, I want to preach this, but it's like harder to live it out, you know, than to say it. It's like easier said than done, (laughs) but you just talk a lot about being true to yourself. Do you want to say more about that? Yeah. And that is not easy for me. That is one of those things when you're saying that I'm like, yeah, those who can't do teach, maybe I just teach that and I don't have to do it, (laughs) but I just think, and I'm, you know, I am a personality junkie person, but at the same time, and then, you know, Enneagram stuff. And, but then sometimes I get burnout on it because, you know, it's trendy. And I'm like, well, I don't do trends. You know, that's my Enneagram four, if we just want to do that, but I'm an Enneagram three. And I feel like my superpower is to be who everybody needs me to be. And I think that, yes, that is some of my natural wiring, But I think that a lot of us struggle with that, especially kind of what you mentioned a little bit ago, you get into autopilot, you, you get to this stage of life sometimes and you're just going and you're just doing, you're never stopping to think, is this really who I am? Is this really what I like? I've completely lost sight of what I used to enjoy and what I used to do and why I used to do it. And so I think for so many years, I just was being who everybody wanted me to be. And I could walk in a room and be who I needed to be. I really identified with that, you know, the 90s romantic comedy, Runaway Bride with Julia Roberts. Do you know that one? Yes. And, and you know, she'd like, she would just eat whatever eggs in the style of eggs, whatever who she was dating. And that's what I kind of felt like in life. Like, well, who do you need me to be? And I'll just be that person. And I just really lost sight of who I was. And it was raising my girls and partly midlife. I think all of us that have kind of gotten to this midlife point, this is really, I do feel like my book is kind of a midlife book. Like this is what I've learned by midlife. My kids just happen to be the catalyst to raise a lot of the tension 
And that's why I think a lot of women who even aren't mothers could read the book because they're going, oh yeah, there's plenty of tension in my life that is a catalyst for change. But I just think raising them and having to go, who am I really? And I, I want them to be who they are. Like I want them to be exactly who they are and to think that they have place at the table, no matter who they are. But do I believe that? Do I think that I can just be me and still be loved and still be you know, welcomed or still belong. And so it was kind of looking at that, that really pushed me to go to start asking those questions. Well, then who am I and how do I like my eggs? You know, like those simple things or what do I actually want to do? Or what do I actually believe? Or what do I actually think? And get curious about discovering kind of who I am truly, especially now, because that autopilot, I could have easily remained who I was at 20 you know, mm-hmm. and, and not that that 20 year old Sarah was bad. She just changed some as she grew up. And I let a lot of fear of being afraid that people wouldn't like me if I wasn't still like that 20 year old Sarah. Will they still like me if they got to know the 40 year old Sarah? But I was like, but I'm too tired of being something I'm not. So I want to mm-hmm. figure out who I am and, and start living that life. It's not every day that you find a product that you truly love and want to shout about from the rooftops. Well, friends, I have found something that I am genuinely excited to share with you today, and that is Born Shoes. Born Shoes are made with the best top quality leather with functional stitching and flexibility. They are lightweight, but they're also supportive. They are great for all casual occasions, extremely comfortable, and especially good for travel. The brand recently gifted me a pair of the Ithaca style sandals. Of course, they are beautiful. The footbed has extra foam for added comfort and with a slight heel for lift. I am positive that I could walk all over London in this pair of shoes, just like I did in my Born sandals last summer. Born Shoes offers sandals, flats, boots, and heels in several styles and color choices. Take comfort in Born Shoes. Every season, they make high-quality shoes that feel as good as they look. With artistic touches, unparalleled craftsmanship, and exquisite materials, Born designs shoes to satisfy the demands of every lifestyle. Go to bornshoes.com for a 15% discount plus free ground shipping on all full-price shoes when you use my promo code TELL. That's born, B-O-R-N, shoes, S-H-O-E-S, dot com, and use promo code TELL, T-E-L-L, for 15% off and free shipping, available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating, and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full-body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben-free. It is also pH-balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, 
Amazon.com and use code you, Y-O-U. Well, what was that process like for you? Because I, everything you're saying, you know, so relatable, especially after we have kids and we spend years, no matter, you know, how much we fight it or not, we spend years in the service of this little person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We have to like sacrifice a lot of our, of ourselves. Yeah. Um, even if we like, I remember when I was a new mom, I just told myself I was never going to change. And, you know, I was, re- I really tried really hard, almost too hard in a way to like cling to this pre motherhood, Laura, mm-hmm. even if you try to do that, like I did, you, you are still ending up, you know, really living in service of, of these little people and you have people touching you and you have to make sure someone is fed and bathed and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these things, what would your, like, what was your process when you came, you know, kind of came out of that fog, Mm -hmm. which so many of us do to have the realization of like, oh, I'm not the same person I was when I'm 20, but I'm also not really sure who I am or how to get back to like a core self. Hmm. Yeah. I think the thing that I've now since realized I value, I I have since part of this process kind of thought about what, what kind of, what do I value? Yeah. I value conversation, I value connection. And because of this process, I've realized how much I value curiosity and and I felt like there was a season where I had to start getting curious and start asking questions about myself and, and, and then living life and coming, you know, coming into a situation and you, maybe you have, you know, something happens with your, your partner or something happens with your child or something happens at work or something. And, and you kind of like hear a soundtrack in your head and you're, and you're like, this is like, you're, you're almost feeling that tension of like. I'm saying something different out loud, but what I'm thinking inside is something different. Like I wasn't, I just started becoming very aware that who was on the inside was not coming out on the outside. So Mm -hmm. I had to get curious and I started just by asking questions and going, you know, who is this? And, And what is this like, if I could have said what I really wanted to say, what would that be? Or if I could really do what I wanted to do, what would that be? And I think that's, that's really the basis is just getting curious and asking questions and paying attention. And, you know, I want to say pay attention to the pain because what you even described as those early years of motherhood, I feel like it's very painful. (laughs) It's just, it's hard. And I don't like pain. I just, I really don't, I want to avoid it at all costs. Like that's not fun, but pain forces us to pay attention. And so I think, look at those pain points that are, that you're feeling inside again, it was painful for me to realize I was not saying what I wanted to say or Mm -hmm. doing what I wanted to do because I was going, gosh, I feel like I'm just kind of missing out. And then I think you, it'll, you will get to the point where you're like, and I think this is the the beauty of midlife where you're like, I'm too tired to keep pretending to be something I'm not. I'm too tired Mm -hmm. to keep doing something that I, that does not bring me joy. That does not bring, you know, a sense of meaning to my life. And so I think that is painful of itself if we keep living like that. So getting to the point where you just go, I'm tired and I really want to be who I am and stop striving to be someone else. But I do think that first step is just curiosity, learning to ask questions and pay attention to, to what you're feeling inside. Oh, this isn't this, I'm feeling, this is not, this is not who I am. 
deep down. Is that why you started your podcast? Yeah, I, I love conversation. I love talking. I love learning. And I love that. And it, I truly think the podcast has been such an avenue. And I didn't fully know it when I started it, but it has been one of the biggest avenues of growth for me, like that of learning, like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling all these things inside. Like I'm paying attention. I'm getting curious. I'm asking these questions. And I would have people on the show constantly that was helpful in that process. I used to joke, I mean, and say like, well, I'm just having people on the show. Like I'm looking at what do I need help with? What am I wrestling with? And I'm going to go find like the best person to have a conversation with about that subject. And so it was, it was, was, I remember right when I started the podcast, I read rising strong by Brene Brown. And that was such, I had never read anything of hers before. And it was just such, that was like, Oh, like there's so much depth that is, that's behind what I'm doing that I did not know that there was all this depth there of why I was doing what I was doing. And so that really did kind of coincide with starting the show and going, okay, like let's have conversations and get, and get curious. Yeah. That kind of mirrors what happened with me too. I also read a Brene Brown book that sort of Mm -hmm. changed a lot for me. It was a different book though. It was the gifts of imperfection. Mm -hmm. Have you read that? Well, I've got it right here because it's my favorite, (laughs) favorite. I read it like the Bible. I read it nearly every day. It is life-changing, that book. Mm-hmm. Although I always hesitate a little bit to recommend it to people because I, in my like early days after I read it, I was like an evangelist for it. And I told all these people to read Me it. too. And some people are not, like, it's a really deep book. Like it's, it, if you're not used to reading that kind of personal growth or like you're not ready for that, yes. like it is not a fluffy no, <laughs> I've had people who are like, I've recommended and they're like, oh, I didn't, I was like, oh, sorry. I didn't know that you, right. But I truly, and the chapters aren't long. That's what's funny. I think she goes so deep, so fast that you really do, you really do need to be in the, the right mindset of like, I'm ready to like, think about some things. I know. That's why I don't like recommend it to everyone. I'm, I'm right. like, maybe you need, you might need like a slower path through Brene Brown right. before you take that one on. But anyway, right, right. What I was going to say is similar path. I had already started my podcast, not this one. I was already doing a sort of awesome and smartest person in the room when I read the gifts of imperfection. But so I had already started podcasting Mm -hmm. after years of blogging, mommy blogging in particular, which is what we're talking about of like, I was really wanting in those other early motherhood years to have an outlet, to have a voice, to have a say, because one of the things for me about early motherhood was just a powerlessness. I mm-hmm. felt like you just, you know, I just matter. felt, yeah, I just felt like I didn't have a choice anymore about mm-hmm. how I spent my time or my days. I felt like I just, I had to have something for myself. So I started mommy blogging, which was great and amazing, opened tons of doors for me. And it was an amazing creative outlet and just, you know, kind of confidence builder and like all these things. Like I could say a lot about blogging. But blogging changed and the internet was sort of shifting and whatever. And it was, it was podcasting Mm -hmm. that really helped me find my voice. Again, I guess the blogging was, was one step of it, but it was the speaking. It was like using my Mm -hmm. actual literal voice. It was connecting Mm -hmm. with others like this. It was putting something out into the world. And now look at podcasting, putting yourself online in any way, blogging, social media, whatever, it's not going to be for everyone. 
especially in those motherhood years when you're, maybe you're feeling extra tender and extra vulnerable. Right. But for me, it gave me like, it was like a weekly deadline. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was like a weekly assignment of having to put myself out there in some way, having to share myself. And you mentioned earlier when we were talking about moving and COVID, you mentioned it kind of gave people permission to change things up. I think your book does that. It gives Mm. permission. I might've even said that in my endorsement. If I didn't, I should have. (laughs) (laughs) But I felt that your book gave women permission to be their truest self, even if, and you have a lot of examples of like, even if your truest self isn't like this picture of perfection that we see other women projecting, or we think that we should, or culture has taught us, or our own moms have taught us or whatever, that we need to be a certain type of woman. Right. And you're, you give all kinds of permission for how you do not have to be that certain type of woman. Yes. I mean, that's, I just want to shout like right on, right. You know, that is so true because I think I, I, I talk, there's one chapter called don't should yourself. And I think that's, we just, we get into this rut of doing what we should do. Oh, well, I'm supposed to do this. Like a good, like, and I do air quotes, mom should be this way, should want to do these things, is supposed to do these things. And, and I, and that's just exhausting. And, and sometimes like some of those things are good for, for somebody else, but they may not be good for you. And you need permission to go, that is not who I am. That is not what I enjoy. And I don't have to do that. Like I gave a silly example of like walking my dog when he, like he was a hundred pounds and terrible on a leash. And, you know, the whole point of walking is to bring like whatever the oxytocin, you know, whatever, whatever that scientific thing is. And it's released and you feel good and you're happy. I would come back. I would have cussed out every other neighborhood animal that we passed. I'd be angry. I'm like, this is not working. I want to walk by myself because it's my only alone time, but I should walk him because I would be a good dog owner if I did. Like you're supposed to want to walk with your animals. And I finally was like, I'm just going to do it. And I had so much more joy in my daily walks when I did not take him with me. It's a silly example, but I mean, obviously we need to feed our children. If we're going to think about that in the context of children, not saying that, or you need to pay your rent do that. But there's just so many things that we put on ourselves or society puts on us that we should do. And we just do that. Like we get into that rut that we, you know, you brought up at the beginning, like we just do this thing and we look up and we go, gosh, how did I get here? Like, Mm. and it's because we've been living someone else's life. Let's talk about writing because I love to talk about writing. Well, and we're like little book sisters. What made you want to, you know, take your years of podcasting mm-hmm. and I, and I know you had other writing and editing experience, but mm-hmm. what made you want to turn it into this book? Yeah. I feel like it was years in the making. I feel like you may f- agree with this. My twenties, I feel like I was very confident in my twenties. I was like, do you want to like write a book? Oh yeah, sure. I'll do that. Like, why not? Like that kind of mentality. And then I turned 30 and I faced a professional writing rejection and coupled with at the same time I had my first child and I felt, and that was a big shocker and what I expected motherhood to be. And so 
it was this place where I was like, just felt so lost. So I just stopped writing because I faced that rejection and then I couldn't put words together to form sentences because of this kid and all this was going on. And so I just stopped writing, but I've always been a writer and I loved like I journal. I know you're a big journal. Like I, I process this way and I always, and I'm like, this is why I like, I loved your book. I will, I will go first. I will share my stuff first. Like I'm so willing to like, let's talk about it. I'll tell you all that. I will be very vulnerable and tell you like what's going on just because I know that you need permission as well. You know, that's kind of how I've always operated. And it took years though, for me to get to the place of believing just because these people who seem to be experts in the writing field said that your writing wasn't good enough. Doesn't mean that you are not a good writer. And that took years to, to work through that rejection. Um, but once I did, it was, and then I launched the podcast about a year later, like, you know, went through several years of working through that and then launched the podcast. And it was like that fire got lit again Mm -hmm. of that creativity and it's in you. You know, I love big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. That's one of my favorite books is too. And I've just like, you're creative and, and the, and the creativity struck me and what am I going to do with it? Am I going to just keep it inside? Am I going to waste it or, or am I going to share it? And so it was just kind of ignited in me to share what I had been learning over the last 13 years of parenting. And really it was, you know, like I said, parenting just so happened to be the biggest catalyst of like tension for me to grow. You need tension. Like tension is not a bad thing. Tension makes things better. You just figure out how to manage it and you can grow from it. And so it was just kind of that, like, this is what I need to write. I want to write again. I want to put that out there again. And I'm just going to share what I know, share this whole path that I've been on. And then what was that process like for you when you actually sat down to do pen to paper? I know. Well, I laugh because I can get stuck in my head in theory land and be like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, like that sounds great. I, I could do that and then never do the work. And so I remember in, I don't know, I do a yearly episode with my friend, America Stum. And so we always talk about like, what did you learn this year? You know, whatever. And I remember that year, I was like, I feel like I finally learned, you just need to do the work. Like, you have the idea. You could come up with a million reasons not to. Now you just need to do the work. And so once I like settled into that, my agent, my now agent had reached out on Instagram and was like, are you writing anything? I would love to talk to you about it. And I was like, okay, yeah, I do have this idea. Like I do want to write again. And I think that was in like 2018, the end of 2018. And we kind of worked together for a year, kind of coming, honing that book proposal and what it could look like and all of that. And then pitched it at the end of 2019 and signed first thing of 2020. And then the pandemic hit and I had to write in the middle of a pandemic. And then here we are sitting on this podcast. (laughs) Was it, I mean, this seems like self, a self answer. I mean, Mm -hmm. this feels like a self-evident answer, but writing in a pandemic, we could both share stories, but you go first. Yeah. Yeah. It was it's so funny. I had visions of like how dreamy writing would be. And then when the kids came home from school, it just was, it was hard. 
And I, I, one of the chapters in the book is you can do hard things. And I was like, I don't like to do hard things. I want easy and fast. That's how I want to do it. Nothing to slow me down. And, but so I had to get creative with how to write. Cause I kind of like everybody to be away from me and write. And you couldn't travel anywhere. You couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't do anything. So I learned, so I do look back and I go, gosh, I learned how to be a little bit creative and how to pivot and how to do things differently. But it definitely was not easy. Ironically, I feel like I was in a mentally and emotionally. However, I felt like I was in such a good place, which is interesting. I went into a dark hole after I turned it in. I don't know if you felt like that vulnerability hangover at all once you turned your book in, but that was hard for me when I turned it in. But during the time it was, it was challenging, but it's like, I was like, okay, I'm going to come up with a plan. Like the best way for me to come up, like to face that kind of thing was like, I had to just come up with like a, you're going to write this many words every week. You're going to have a plan. These, these are the days you're going to write and you're just going to show up whether you get a hundred words that day or, you know, 2,500, like this is where we're going to, what we're going to do. And that sheer determinate determination had to kick in because it's not easy. Well, I wrote the book. I wrote the first draft pre-pandemic. I turned it in into February, 2020. And then had to do all your edits. And then I had to do all my edits, which was uh, editing is so much harder than writing. I mean, it was for me. So I also had a writing plan. Uh, So I've, I've tried over the years when I was blogging, when I was trying to write this proposal, when I was trying to write this book, like I wrote a failed proposal years ago. Like I've tried a Mm -hmm. bunch of different ways in a writing space of like, okay, I have to get, I have to write 1100 words today, or I have to write for two hours. And however many words I get is how many words I get. Like I've tried, I've tried tracking it by time and I've tried tracking it by word count. And I've tried, like, I've tried all kinds of different ways is what I'm saying, just to see like what works for me, because I've, you hear all these tips about writing. Mm -hmm. And the thing that ended up working best for me was I, and I don't know that I'll do this for book two, by the way, but this is what worked for me for, for share your stuff. I wrote in chunks. So a lot of people like they write an hour a day or they write, you know, 200 words a day or whatever. They do the, this like small, mm-hmm. you know, brick by brick mentality, which theoretically I thought I would like, I don't, I'm not a brick by brick person apparently. So I <laughs> went and would write in big chunks. So I did a week at a time or four days at a time. I got out of my house. This was again, pre-pandemic. So I right. went out to Palm Springs to a hotel a couple of times. I went to my lake house for a week or two weeks at a time. And I would write in chunks and I'd be like, okay, in this long weekend that I'm taking, I need to come home with three chapters done. Yeah. Like, so that was my deadline. I did have an assignment. I had a certain amount of chapters I wanted to write or, or whatever, certain amount of word count. I did, I tried word count, whatever, but I had to be like out of my normal space and sort of under deadline, Me too. which I realized if you're writing break by break, you are writing just these smaller daily deadlines or whatever. I don't know. And I'm only mentioning that because I love to hear it when people talk yeah. about their creative process and like what works for them. And also to hear people say what doesn't work for them. Because sometimes if right. I hear like, oh, you have to do it this way, I will think, oh, I have to do it this way. And then I'm very frustrated at myself when that that doesn't work for me. Yeah. And I don't, I do not give my permission to say that didn't work for me. Instead, I just get mad and think that there's something wrong with me. Yes. I, I go that way too. Like I immediately turn it on to me like that. Well, yes. there's some. This is my problem. There's something wrong. No, I think whatever it is, like 
coming up with a plan and no feeling like there's a deadline to that plan. That is motivating to me for sure. I had visions of like, I really wanted, and I would like to still maybe for this, for my book too, I'm, I'm a verbal processor too. And so probably why I enjoy podcasting, cause I, I want to just talk through all this stuff is to get together with a few people, a handful of people and talk through the idea, talk out certain stories, talk out, because I feel like that would be helpful for me. And I had wanted to do that with book one, but then, you know, with the pandemic, you just couldn't, couldn't do that. I, I mean, I could have over zoom, but it just is different. But so that wouldn't work for me because mm-hmm. I really struggle with having too many voices in my head mm-hmm. drowns out my inner voice. Okay. So that's so true. I'm like, I'm glad you said that. Cause that's one of those things I think I have to be in a healthy place or else I will only hear their voices and not be able to hear what is true for me. I have a really strong intuition, mm-hmm. but it's quiet. It whispers and I surround myself by design. I surround myself with smart, talented, thoughtful people, mm-hmm. my friends, my husband, my business mastermind. Like I have the most amazing people in my life. And because they are amazing, their feedback or their brainstorming or whatever, because it's smart and thoughtful. Yes. You know, I cannot separate out. It's not like I can just dismiss and be like, well, they're a dumb dumb because they're not. Right. And so when I hear these like smart, thoughtful comments on how to do anything, on how to market, on how to, you know, be creative, on how to parent, even like we're saying, like, it doesn't matter if I hear smart, thoughtful people talk about something, I cannot dismiss it. And so then I can't hear my inner voice. And the problem with that is we have such an abundance of smart, thoughtful voices, not just in our friends and family, but like in the podcast you can listen Mm -hmm. to, in the books you can read, in the whatever, there's people who are so smart about what they're doing or what they're saying. And I love to soak all that in. But what happens is we're sort of taying a tangent. I think this is important to say because I I didn't even realize I was going to say it. But I really then can't hear my own self think or Mm -hmm. or I I take on their ideas and think that they're mine. Not not their ideas. Not like a Yes. Or that you should like, oh, well, if they're saying that maybe I should think that way or do this thing, even though, cause you're, you may not even in that moment be able to hear, because like you're saying it's, it's quiet and that your intuition is quiet and you can't hear if your intuition is saying that's not for you. Exactly. That's a hard distinction to figure out, honestly. Yeah. Especially if you don't know where you're going. So I'm thinking of an example now where I was in a conversation where the people's suggestions, I could dismiss because I was like, no, that's not right. Like, you know how when you're like, well, I don't know what it is, but it's not that, you know? Yes. Like, yes. And so that's easier when you can be like, oh, no, that's not right. But when you are kind of lost in an idea, lost in a season, whatever, it's really hard to discern what is true when you're, when there's so many truth tellers yeah, out there. <laughs> I know. Do you find it hard? Cause I, I found it hard. I love that we're talking about this cause this might be poking holes in my, or at least if not poking holes, at least helps me to be aware. I didn't read a lot of nonfiction while I was writing either. Like for the reason of that, what you're describing, thoughtful, smart people 
writing about these things, I need to be guarded on not, I don't know, claiming as my own in a sense. You know what I mean? No, I read at my normal pace when I was writing, when the pandemic hit, I stopped reading normally for other reasons, but I didn't, I, I maybe didn't read, I think because my book was my story, I, I felt mm-hmm. like less worried that I was going to like steal someone else's story. Right. <laughs> You're like there was once a girl from what <laughs> state did I just read about? <laughs> yeah. Like, so I, so I wasn't too worried about that really, yeah. but I mean, I yeah. can see, I can see in another type of book or whatever, where you would have to be really yeah. sort of diligent about not taking on other people's ideas or whatever. Yes. Yeah. I liked this first book of mine because it's more of an essay style. So yes, there's the common thread throughout of what, how I've raised myself by raising my kids, but each chapter is different. And so I do yes. feel like it was easier for me. It was my story. You know, what did I learn about value or authenticity or fear or, you know, all the things I, I, I always think that like about other nonfiction, like, oh, if I, that's why I'm like, I don't know that I could write anything except my own stories, but I'm living, I'm going to write what I know, you know, write what I live, but it's hard that I can see where that would be really hard. Well, you did, you wrote, you wrote what, you know, you wrote your experience <laughs> and it is so relatable to mothers and middle life, like you said. And I just so appreciate you putting it into the world, both your podcast and your new book. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Tell the listeners where they can find your book, where they can find your show, where they can find some of the bonuses and freebies that they get if they order your book. Yes. Okay. So my podcast is Surviving Sarah. You can find me there. And then my website is sarahbragg.com. That's with a S-A-R-A-H-B-R-A-G-G. And you can, when you buy the, buy the book anywhere you want, you know, independent bookstores or, you know, online, wherever. And then you can just go to my website and click the word book. And you can go access like secret podcast episodes with some friends. My girls are on one of the episodes and then some downloadable prints. You can do that. Well, I love that so much. Thank you for being on 10 things to tell you and having Uh, this really good conversation with me. today. I love your show. So it was such an honor to get to be on it. just listen to the 10 things to tell you podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10 things to tell you.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 things to tell you. Remember, this is an interactive podcast. I have 10 things to tell you and you have 10 things to tell. So take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. These episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.